The following is an Auburn Network production. You are on the line. Live on ESPN 1067, Auburn Opelika's sports leader. Online at ESPNAU.com or on the ESPN 1067 app. To be on the line, call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. You are on the line with Jacob Goertz. You're on the line here on ESPN 1067, Auburn Opelika Sports Leader. Happy Tuesday, everybody. Happy Halloween uh, to all of those of you who celebrate uh, a beautiful day here in Auburn, Alabama. It may be a little cold for a lot of you down here, uh, but for somebody like myself who uh, spent most of my childhood growing up in the north, uh, in northern states, this is perfect for me. It's sunny outside. It's in the 50s. This is perfect. Give me a sweatshirt. Give me some jeans and and just let me go outside. I mean, I would be outside all day long um, if I didn't have a job, but We do have a job. Got a show to do today, but this is my type of weather. This is fall for me, man. The leaves are falling. uh, The temperature's dropping. You've got Halloween tonight. Um, I'm sure a lot of you with uh, kids and grandkids have plans this evening for Halloween, wherever you're going to be going, whether you're going uh, to neighborhoods or or whatever's happening. um, Be sure that you are bundled up because uh, I think I looked at the temperature it's going to be like in the 30s late tonight I mean it's going to get near freezing tonight uh, here in Auburn Alabama so uh, if you are taking kids out tonight bundle them up right Uh, bundle yourself up as well um, and have a good time and um, I'm not really into the uh, the whole Halloween scene anymore I once was but not really my thing anymore I'm not really a Halloween person I don't know just never really been my thing I, I did growing up but not now. I mean, I mean, I don't really have anything uh, for Halloween. But other than that, we've got a lot to talk about today on the show. This is the Tuesday edition of On the Line, the show that tells you like it is and holds nothing back. My name is Jacob Goins with you here on ESPN 106.7 for the next two hours inside the Auburn Plaza Bar and Lounge Studio. They sponsor our studio each and every day, and we do appreciate them doing that between 2 and 4 p.m. here on ESPN 106.7. Well, Lots of different topics of conversation today um, around college football. I want to talk some big topics there. We have Hugh Freeze audio from yesterday in case you did not uh, hear his press conference. We like to play that for you on Tuesdays and kind of react to that. We also have Double D, Daryl Daprich. He'll be joining us coming up in hour number two, so really excited uh, to talk with him. He always has uh, just such unique perspectives on Auburn, Auburn athletics. Uh, We'll talk Auburn football. We'll start previewing a little Auburn basketball as they have an exhibition tomorrow uh, and start the regular season a week from today. That's right. We'll talk about that with Double D, Daryl Daprich coming up later on in hour number two. Phone lines are open. Give me a call. What's on your mind on a Tuesday afternoon. I want to hear from you. 334-321-1390. That's the number to get you through to me. 334-321-1390. What do you want to talk about on a Tuesday afternoon? Any more 
comments, thoughts, reactions um, from Auburn's win over Mississippi State this weekend. Looking ahead to Vanderbilt coming up this weekend. Um, If you want to talk a little basketball, would love to hear from you about that as well. But where we're going to start today, multiple different topics just around college football. And the first one I want to start with is right here at home. Because today is October 31st, in the year 2023. But do you remember what happened a year ago today? Do you remember what happened on Halloween last year in 2022 in this town? When the news broke in the morning on Halloween in 2022? It was one of the, it's a day that will go down in history in Auburn football for good and bad reasons. It's the day that Auburn pulled the plug and fired Brian Harson as their head football coach. That happened a year ago today. Isn't that crazy? That was a year ago that Auburn finally cut the ties, quit the experiment, and said, okay, we got to go a new direction. On October 31st of 2022, Brian Harson was fired. Cadillac was promoted to associate head coach. And also athletic director John Cohen was hired. All in the same day. All of that happened a year ago today. And I say that that day is going to go down in history because that time period will go down in history for Auburn football. And for all of the wrong reasons, right? For all of the wrong reasons. That was some of the lowest times. I've said it on this show. That's the lowest I've ever seen Auburn football in my lifetime. And there's some of you out there, there's a lot of you out there that have been fans of Auburn a lot longer than I have. But for my entire life, the Brian Harson era here at Auburn, especially last season before he was let go a year ago today, That's the lowest I've ever seen the Auburn football program. That's the lowest I've ever seen the Auburn fan base. It's the lowest I've ever been talking about Auburn football. And I was sitting right here in this studio talking about it until a year ago today when Auburn fired Brian Harson. And that time period will go down in the record books as some of the worst times in Auburn because of all the things that happened, right? Because of all of the off-field disasters that were happening. Plus the on-field disasters that were happening. And I bring all of this up not to harp too much on the past, but to just kind of reflect on what has happened in the past year. Look at what has happened in the past year. Brian Harson was fired right after one of the worst failed coaching experiments in the history of college football. Cadillac was promoted to associate head coach. A new AD was hired in John Cohen from Mississippi State, which so far has turned out to be a home run slam dunk touchdown pass hire. I mean, it just has. He's been great. John Cohen's been awesome. And we know what happened in those last four games with Cadillac as the head coach. This fan base turned positive 
faster than I've ever seen them do it. This fan base bought into Auburn football more than I've ever seen them do it. And Cadillac deserves all the credit in the world for that. He deserves all the credit in the world for that. You had the Mississippi State game. You come home for the Texas A&M game, one of the best atmospheres in a long, long time that we've seen at Jordan-Hare Stadium, right? Cadillac turned this program. He revived it at the end of the season last year. He finishes out the year. Auburn begins a head coaching search. There's so many names flying around. Cadillac was in there. Hugh Freeze was in there. Lane Kiffin was in there. You had people saying Urban Meyer was in there. You had people saying Dabo Sweeney was in there, right? Jimbo Fisher. I mean, there were all sorts of names flying around. Dan Lanning. There was all sorts of names flying around at Auburn's head coaching search. And a lot of people, myself included, we were on the Lane train, right? It seemed like Lane Kiffin, while maybe not everybody was the biggest Lane Kiffin fan, it seemed like that's where this was heading in the coaching search, right? It seemed like everything we were being told and everything we were hearing was that it was going to be Lane Kiffin. And then all of a sudden, he decides to stay with Ole Miss, gets a little bit more money, stays a little bit longer. And just a little while later, Auburn announces they're hiring Hugh Freeze. Didn't take very long. Right? A couple of months. But they hire Hugh Freeze. And since Hugh Freeze was hired, recruiting has jumped through the roof because it had become non-existent at Auburn. Recruiting has jumped through the roof. He hit the transfer portal hard. And we can argue about whether that's been successful as much as we wanted it to be or not this season. But before the season started, right, he hit the portal hard He revived recruiting, and he started recruiting the day he was hired. He had a quote where he said, through the first month of being the head coach, he had not stepped in his office or something like that, where he had just been recruiting the entire time. You then get into spring training, right, in spring ball. You have A-Day, then you have summer workouts, then you get into the fall. You had some pickups in the transfer portal, including quarterback Peyton Thorne. And then you get into the fall, right? You start having football games. And you win those first three. They weren't pretty, but you win them. And then you go on this four-game losing streak. And now you're back to four and four with your first SEC win. All of that that I just described, all of that has happened in the last 365 days. Isn't that crazy? Isn't that unbelievable? That's just in Auburn football, in the Auburn football world. That doesn't include everything else in Auburn athletics. But we're talking Auburn football right now. Because one year ago today is when Brian Harson was fired, and when Cadillac was promoted, and when John Cohen was hired as the athletic director. That's a lot to happen in the last year. And I think we can all agree that already in one year, Since the events took place on this day, Auburn's already in a better spot in the football program. And Auburn's already turned in the right direction, right? Zoom out on this season a little bit, right? Zoom out on this program just a little bit. 
right? Because it's so easy in the middle of the season like we are right now. It's so easy to be locked in, laser focus, and just be picking this team apart and this program apart and the coaches apart, play-by-play, quarter-by-quarter, and game-by-game. We do it on this show. We do it on this station. You all do it in your own personal lives as Auburn fans. It's very easy in season to just be laser-focused on one particular thing in one particular game and forget the grand scheme of where this program is and really where this program was a year or two ago from today. And I think we can all agree, even as a 4-4 four and four football team right now, you got your first SEC win. The back end of the schedule looks a lot easier. Recruiting is continuing to build It's continuing to get better. Momentum is building there day by day. And just looking at the direction of the program right now for Auburn football, just look at the unison in Auburn fans. I know there's some disagreement with how this season has gone, but again, zoom out a little bit. Zoom out and let's look at this thing in a four-year window. You can't tell me that this is the best we felt about this program in the last four years. At the end of one era, then another very short, horrendous era, and here at the start of another. This is the best it's been. And there's a really good chance that this may be the lowest that it ever is with this new era if things go the way that head coach Hugh Freeze believes it can, and if he continues to implement the things he wants to implement and those things begin to take hold. There is a chance that this is the lowest it could ever be with this new era, which, guess what, is higher than anything we had in the previous era and is higher than what the end of the Gus Malzahn era was. That's got to make you feel good as an Auburn fan, does it not? Don't you have some more confidence and some more positivity, maybe a little bit more faith in this football program and the direction that it's going? And all of that has been done in 365 days. That's impressive to me, man. That's impressive to me. And again, I know this season... There have been games that Auburn could have won and did not win. But the season's going exactly like we thought it would. What more could you ask? What more do you want? You're getting big-name recruits, and you're flipping big-name recruits from Alabama and Georgia, your two biggest rivals. You're about to sign top 15, top 10 classes in recruiting. And you've got a chance to do some special things down the stretch in year one and really start competing in year two and year three. That's really special, man. That really, really is a testament to what Hugh Freeze and this entire staff have done to the people in Auburn Athletics, new AD John Cohen, and everybody in the football building, the players included. This thing's on the rise, and this has all happened since Brian Hartson was fired one year ago today. 
334-321-1390. Give me a call. I'm curious on what your thoughts are on this conversation. If you have some, we'll talk about that when we come back. If not, got some other college football topics that I want to hit on, including the first college football playoff rankings that will be released tonight. I'll give you my top four. I want to hear your top four predictions as well. All that coming up when we come back here on the Tuesday edition of On the Line. You are on the line on ESPN 1067. Online at ESPNAU.com or on the ESPN 1067 app. All right, back inside the Auburn Plaza Bar and Lounge Studio here on the Tuesday edition of On the Line. I'm Jacob Goins, and looking at what is happening tonight in college football, the first college football playoff rankings are being released tonight, and there could be a little shakeup in the top four, I think, between what we've seen in the AP poll versus what could happen tonight and what we could see in the college football playoff rankings. I'm curious on what your top four playoff rankings would be right now in college football. If you were on the committee and they said you are releasing your top four, who would it be right now and why? Give me a call, 334-321-1390. And remember... Typically, the playoff rankings are different than the AP poll because it's a group of people that are getting together. This is not individuals voting on a poll and it all coming together with numbers. This is a group of people coming together to determine who the four best teams in college football are. And there is typically a little bit of a difference between the AP poll and the initial college football playoff rankings, and sometimes even at the end as well. And it got a little bit easier this weekend when Oklahoma lost uh, over the weekend to Kansas, so they were one of those six undefeated teams that then dropped down. Here's what your AP poll looks like right now. Georgia number one, Michigan two, Ohio State three, Florida State four, Washington at five, and Oregon at six, the top five teams are 8-0 undefeated in college football. Six through ten, I said Oregon already, Texas, Alabama, Penn State, and Oklahoma. All of those teams are 7-1. and one. And you can include Ole Miss, who's at number 11, at 7-1 and one as well. And so, what would your top four be and why? And I think when you look at this, it comes down to Who are the best four teams in college football? If you had to put the best four teams in as of right now on October 31st, 2023, who would it be? And I know we still have a month of football to play, plus conference championship games. But I think right now, you can make some serious arguments in here. Georgia, I think, has to be in there just because of what they've done in the past, and the fact that they've yet to get tripped up this season. And I know there's a lot of people that say, well, just because they've won back-to-back national championships, that doesn't have anything to do with this season. And you're right. Except they're back-to-back national champions, and they've backed that up so far with an 8-0 record. And I know their schedule's not rough. It's about to be. Georgia's about to play a pretty good schedule, believe it or not. Pretty good for them anyway. We're about to find out exactly 
what this Georgia team is. With three straight top 20 games as of right now. Number 14, Missouri, this Saturday, 2.30 on CBS, a game that will define the SEC East. Number 11, Ole Miss, next weekend, who, again, is very much in the running for the SEC West. And then on the road at number 19, Tennessee and Knoxville. Those are three straight games for Georgia. If they win all three of those, they will absolutely be in the driver's seat to be the number one team in college football. And if it were my rankings tonight, Georgia would be my number one team. Do I think they are the best? No. But they've got a chance to prove it. And until somebody proves to me that they're not, that's why I put them at number one in my college football playoff rankings. I think you have to put at number two, you have to take into consideration what has happened already in college football. And I think strength of schedule is really important. And again, I know Georgia hasn't had that yet, but they're about to. And as much as it pains me, I think you have to consider putting Ohio State at number two right now. Do I think Ohio State's the second best team in college football? No, I don't. But again, this isn't just, I think the number two team is the second best team. You've got to think about matchups and stuff too. And you have to earn it. And Ohio State so far, compared to all the other top teams, I think they've kind of earned it, right? On the road, a victory at number nine at the time, Notre Dame. You beat Penn State, the number seven team in the country. You just went on the road and beat a pretty talented Wisconsin team. And coming up at the end of the year, you've got a crash course with Michigan. And so early on, that's why talking about Ohio State and Michigan, I'm not overly concerned about where they are. Both of them are in the top four. But I think you could flip-flop them at two and three, and it doesn't really matter because I don't see either one of them losing between here and when they play each other. Michigan could. They go on the road to Penn State. And if they lose that, then of course, Ohio State is above them after everything is said and done. But if both teams are undefeated when they meet up. Whoever wins is in, and whoever loses is out. I think it really is that simple, especially with how the Big Ten is just not an elite conference in college football right now. From top to bottom, it's just not. Florida State is where this really gets interesting. Florida State is where this gets interesting, and I talked about them a little bit yesterday They have, I think, one of the best wins in college football against LSU. You remember that game? All the way back in the beginning of the year, they beat LSU, who was number five at the time, and we know how good that LSU offense is and how good Jaden Daniels is. And they have a 45-24 win over LSU. They do have a win over Clemson, which that doesn't carry a whole lot of weight this year as it has in the past with Clemson just not being all that great, especially with their record. They have a win over Duke, who is a good football team, and that's pretty much it. And they don't have a whole lot of more chances. They play Pitt, Miami, who, again, what Miami team are you going to get? UNA, and then on the road at Florida. I haven't seen it in the last few weeks from Florida State that tells me, okay, 
this team can go toe-to-toe with anybody right now. They very well could. But I like my chances of Georgia beating Florida State. I like my chances of Michigan beating Florida State. I like my chances of Ohio State beating Florida State. And guess what? I like my chances of Washington and Oregon beating Florida State on neutral field right now. Which is why I would put, in my personal rankings, I would put Washington and Oregon above Florida State. I would. I would put Washington and Oregon above Florida State because Washington's still undefeated. They've got to clean it up. They haven't looked the prettiest the last couple of weeks, but they're still a good team. And Oregon's a really good team. And their only loss is three points to Washington. Are you kidding me? And did you see what they did to Utah over the weekend? That's a hot take, but I think you could put Florida State at six. And I think I would. Until they earn it, I wouldn't put them in. I'm interested to see what the rankings look like tonight. We'll talk about that some more later on in the show. But when we come back, Hugh Freeze's weekly press conference. We'll have that for you, as we always do, here on the Tuesday edition of On the Line. Jacob Goertz on ESPN 1067, Auburn Opelika's sports leader. Halfway through hour number one here on the Tuesday edition of On the Line, the show that tells you like it is and holds not the back. I'm Jacob Goins with you on ESPN 106.7. Well, every Tuesday uh, throughout football season, I try to play you uh, Hugh Freeze's weekly press conference. He had some things to say yesterday, and I'm sure you've heard some of it go around uh, social media. I played a short clip for you yesterday, and uh, I'm hoping I can get to that part again today. A little bit on the long side, so we'll see what we can do. Try to get you most of it here on the show. We'll react to it. We'll get into hour number two where we'll talk some more Albert football. Daryl Dapperts join us coming up in, in the second hour as well. But this is yesterday, Hugh Freeze in his weekly football press conference. I'm excited to, to uh, sit here with the SEC win for sure. I'm proud of the improvement that I thought our kids showed and, um, and the, the job our staff did. And I think um, it's a direct reflection of accountability to the little things that uh, we've are trying to instill in um, the way we operate on a, a daily basis here. And uh, it's good to see them have success on the field. And um, hopefully we can uh, grow from that. So uh, thankful it was, a, it was a solid game for sure. Um, obviously not perfect. There are very few that are, but a very solid game. I thought defensively the truce were it was solid. A few too many explosive plays. Um, some of that was really good throws and catches by their guys and a couple runs we didn't really prepare for that we had to make adjustments to. Uh, they ran some midline actually and uh, we hadn't seen that. And, um, and, but I thought they, they bowed their neck and, and played well in the red zone and, and, um, and did well there and obviously won the turnover battle also. So, um, Solid effort defensively and offensively is our best uh, best balanced performance for sure. Good to see our receivers make some plays and our quarterback play with some confidence and thought our protection was good and I thought we ran the ball really effectively against a team that really doesn't give up the run 
um, in in the first half. I thought we we uh, ran it as well as I've seen anybody do that. So uh, good to good to get one at home, and uh, now hopefully we can build on it. This is a scary game to me. I, I've always thought playing there was difficult for whatever reason, and um, I know you can look at their uh, schedule and say what or their record and say whatever, but uh, they played a, a tough stretch with Kentucky, Missouri, Florida, Georgia, Ole Miss. I mean, that's a that's a tough stretch of games, and they've been competitive at times in, in all of them, and um, it's, uh, it's a difficult place to play, and uh, it's got my full attention, and hopefully our kids will uh, be mature enough to approach um, this with with the same hunger that they did last week. Coach, now that you had a chance to evaluate the film, um, what were you happiest with Peyton's performance? What did you think he did well this week that he maybe hadn't done weeks prior? Well, just it was really confident in the plan, and he, it showed. And um, he, he probably left uh, two throws out there that he should have thrown, in my opinion, and he'll agree when he sees the film. Um, he had two other RPOs that probably should have been thrown. Um, I thought he left the pocket a little early a couple times, but he did good things with it. He took care of the ball. But outside of those four plays, it was hard to argue that uh, he didn't play really, really, really solid. Had a one ball that, I mean, was a little high, but should have been, you know, we, we got to catch those two. And um, just I thought he played really solid, really confidently, and I thought um, uh, our kids responded to that around him well. What did you see from the receivers in this game against Mississippi State where they were able to kind of get open, make some plays, and help out Peyton Thorne, who seemed to be probably the most comfortable he's been in a Power 5 game? Well, we protected him the best um, that we have. That makes a huge difference. And, you know, basically we said we're going to go back to, you know, what what I've, I'm used to and – um, we're going to play with some tempo, and we're going to take our shots when we when we get them, and uh, we're going to see if you guys, you know, rise to the occasion. And in a lot of cases, they did, and um, we've got to continue to improve. There's still some some sloppy things on there with releases and and correct stems, and but the good thing is is you can really teach hard off of games after you've won. And say we can be better, guys. You know, it was it was it was pretty good, but man, we can really improve this a lot. And but it was really good to see our receivers get some confidence and make some plays. But I think just simple simplifying down where we can play a little freer and faster it was really beneficial. Here I got two kind of unrelated questions. If that's okay. okay. Mm -hmm. The first one is what uh, Alex McPherson is that the proper punctuation? What he's meant to you, I mean, a guy that's just almost, almost uh, doesn't miss or do hasn't yeah. missed. Well, I should have said that in my opening. I, I thought our special teams, outside the uh, penalty and the uh, muff, the the muffed kick um, that cost us a little field position, I thought our uh, our man, our, our field goal unit was was on point. And I thought our punting unit, uh, the job Oscar and them did to, to quick snap some of those deep, ki deep kicks and still have them have to go 50, 60 yards in the situations we were in there in the second half, I thought they, they both did a great job. Is, uh, are, do you, are you, 
you completely comfortable when Alex goes out there that he's going? Yeah, to I mean, I coach him, so I, I take credit for him. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> I wouldn't know what to tell him. That just that comes from genetics, I think, and uh, his genes. But he's, uh, I'm extremely comfortable. Um, I think on these next few road games, he plays a huge role in getting points when we uh, when we get in field position. My other question is what Ron uh, Ron Roberts has meant is, is I mean with a with a defense without much depth. Yeah, he's how you all hold people down. Well he's one of the best uh in 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 the nation of calling a game. You know, I think we all have strengths, we all have weaknesses and you want to play to your strengths and uh, one of his strengths is is definitely game day calling a, a football game from a defensive perspective and making adjustments um, within his system. I think he's uh, really, really gifted at that. Hugh, uh, we saw Caleb obviously make that first catch of the game. We've seen him more here the last few weeks, lining up out wide sometimes too. Just how much have you seen him kind of grow as the season's gone on and become kind of more reliable player for y'all? Yeah, he's earned it. And that's that's what I want our program to get to is uh, I think we live in a world now where there's just uh, the the process of earning something is is kind of um, lacking and um, he didn't have it at first and he kept working and working and working and um, you keep putting on tape good things and, and good things will come your way and that's what's happened to him and um, well, you'll keep seeing him, and unless he just shuts it down in practice this week, uh, you'll keep you'll keep seeing him. Thought we had, we had a shot for him too on the, and he was going to be open and um, got grabbed there. Talk a little more about the play of the offensive line. I noticed that you had different combinations on just about every one of the drives that you were moving the ball well in the first half. Yeah, Jake and I met last week, and I just said I'm convinced that this is going to be better for us. And some of it is, man, listen, Cam Stutz is a warrior who loves Auburn and has given everything he can, but he's beat up. And he he is sad to see that he – because he, he would love to go every rep, but, man – you know, he's one of these veterans that we probably need to not make practice tomorrow, um, seriously, to, to try to get through the year with him. And Gunnar Britton was beat up some. And so we just, we're, we're just, we've got to rotate those guys to, to hopefully, I mean, it's a long season. We got four more games and, and we need all of those guys to play significant snaps. And so I think rotating them is, is in the best interest of us. But, to handle all the stuff that State throws at a team um, the way they did in the first half was really, really remarkable, truthfully. I expected a lot more negative plays than we had, um, and they protected the quarterback really well, the, the first half especially. The second half, um, they made a little adjustment on the way. They, they still did the same thing, but they slowed their backers down and let them play behind the blocks, which was very difficult. Um, and, and they did much better. We still popped a few runs. Some of that had to do with field position, too, and they knew they could do a lot of things. So, um, but our old line, I thought, played one of their better games. You mentioned O-line. We, we've seen Connor Lou now for a majority of a game and a start. Um, 
what'd you see out of him in, in, in kind of having a chance to work and, and be the guy going into a week, and how do you respond? Really solid. Um, I, I heard, uh, I think, this morning he's going to get freshman player of the week from the SEC Network. Um, so congratulations to him. I also think Gunner's getting uh, player of the week, um, offensive line of the week. So um, they graded out well. He, uh, I'm thankful that uh, that he waited till the last uh, – possession to to snap a ball and hit his own rear end because that would have made if it, that happened the first possession I'd have been a nervous wreck the rest of the game you'd, you'd seen us go under center but um, I asked him what happened he said I have no idea I have no clue coach <laughs> and, uh, um, so he, he he did really well um, made most of the calls the right way he's very athletic um, Sometimes that hurts him a little, truthfully. He's, he's moving at a pace that maybe he needs to move a little slower um, and, and, and gets himself in a little bad position on, on some of the blocks he has to sustain for a length of time. But I thought he played really solid for a freshman. Yeah, going back to Peyton, I'm always asking about Peyton. Uh, did you have any special conversations last week with Monty or, or Ken Austin or both of them about, hey, what can we do to make him feel more comfortable and, and call plays that way or do something to him? Yes, it was. Uh, it wasn't really a conversation. It was just this is what we're doing, okay. and that's it. And yep, this is what we're doing, and we'll figure out which one can either do it or not. And if none of them can, we'll just we'll. We'll we'll try to we'll cross that bridge when we when we get there, and I think Peyton loved it, and again you know I thought Robbie showed some some good things in practice too, but Peyton was was obviously took the took the initiative and was playing well enough, but um, that and that discussion wasn't ugly. It just but you get to a point where the only thing that I know is got to be what I'm comfortable with and this is what I think we need to do and I'm really not up and it's not like they were fighting me on it I mean because everybody's it's just but usually it was all right should we have this package should we have this package with this and it was just no this is the only thing that we're going to do you you mentioned uh, getting back uh, to what you know and and do uh, and pace uh, does not facing a top 75 offense the rest of the way outside of um, New Mexico State, which I think is 43rd. Does that give you an opportunity to continue to run pace if you want to? Certainly. Um, you know, we look at everything. We look at the schedule. We look at, you know, how the schedule shakes out and, you know, what gives us the best chance to compete, to have a chance to win the games. And um, you know, we're not always right. Um, sometimes we are. And so all of that is, has, has been looked at and taken into account. And I, I still say, man, we're a few plays from, you know, you know, being right there at the Georgia game and the Ole Miss game for sure, um, you know, doing the plan we had. But um, all, all that gets looked at for sure. And, you know, can we, can we be effective you know, in a tempo offense? You got to win first down, which we did the other day. So, um, you know, you guys literally, you you take my words and you and you like. So let me clarify. I, I absolutely want us to be play with tempo, but can you always? No. Um, I don't know. I mean, 
I think Ole Miss goes as fast as anybody, but if you watch our game against them, we did some things that got them out of that, that slowed them down. And so it's not like I can just walk out there and say, hey, forget it, we're just going to – we're going – that's not very wise. Um, but when we have the opportunities to, we should be ready to. And that's what we had gotten away from. Because you can't – if you don't practice it, it's not going to happen with tempo. I don't care what you call it. You can call it hurricane. But if you hadn't practiced it in hurricane pace, it's not going to be what you want. And that's what we had to get back to. Coach, do you have an update on Xavier Miller and Marcus Harris? Both, uh, both, I think, are going to be fine. So, um, didn't know that no, uh, nothing that seemed to be lingering. Hugh, I think between Keldrick and Connor and, and Kyan Lee, I think seven starts for those guys, and then Jeremiah has played a big role. I guess just you know, how how validating is that of what you guys were able to do late? in the recruiting process when you yeah. arrived? I, I think uh, the guys, we, we were able to get to come our way in the, from the high school ranks in the short time we had. Um, we hit on, I think, most of them, honestly. I think, I think, I don't want to start mentioning names because I'll forget somebody, but I, I think all of those guys are going to have a real shot to play significant roles in, in our development here as a program. And, and those you've mentioned already have. So that was most of Hugh Freeze's press conference from yesterday. I uh, got a couple of more minutes left in there, but got to get to our final break. I wanted you to hear most of it. I wanted to play all of it. Just don't have that much time today. Um, but I always try to play it for you. That way you can hear it. Uh, hear what Hugh Freeze has to say in case you weren't able to hear it. Uh, we'll comment on that, talk about it, wrap up hour number one. When we come back, we'll get into hour number two, talk some more Auburn football, and then Daryl Dapridge will join us coming up in the second hour as well time for you to come in and join us here on the tuesday edition of on the line would love to hear from you 334-321-1390 you are on the line on espn 1067 call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502 all right, got a few more minutes here in hour number one before we get in to hour number two here on the Tuesday edition of On the Line. And I came across something during the break on Twitter that I just want to run by you because it's just an it's such an interesting list. And it was actually posted uh, by uh, McElroy and Kublik in the morning. Of course, the show up on Jocks 94.5 up in, uh, in in Birmingham. And they tweeted out, and it says, odds on the next NCAA head football coach to be fired. And the odds are from betonline.ag, which is a, a betting site online. Here's the list of the betting favorites right now for the next football coach to be fired in college football. I want you to see if you can guess. Guess if you can tell who's at the top. Working our way from the bottom and there is, let's see, 2, 4, 6, 8, 10, 12. Looks to be about 13 names on this list. From the worst odds to the best odds of the next football coach in college to be fired. Are you ready for this? Starting at 25 to 1 odds, Jim Harbaugh. Then Sam Pittman at Arkansas. Billy Napier. Brent Pry. Danny Gonzalez. Butch Jones. 
Ken Wilson, Tom Allen, 7-1 in Indiana, Mike Loxley, Justin Wilcox, Dave Aranda, Dana Holgerson, and according to betonline.ag, with the best betting odds on the next coach to be fired in college football, Jimbo Fisher at 4-1 to odds. How about that? How about that? Now, that doesn't mean he's going to be the next one fired. But on a pretty popular betting website, he is the most popular betting on. He has the best odds to be the next head coach fired. Do you agree with that? I don't think it's necessarily wrong. Do I think he's the next one fired? No, probably not. But man, how many times have we talked about Texas A&M on this program and Jimbo Fisher being just one of the most average coaches in college football? He's an average coach. And they're paying him millions and millions and millions and millions and millions of dollars to go 8-4 and four every single year. They're 5-3 and three right now. They play on the road at Ole Miss this weekend. That's a loss. They're going to be 5-4. and four. They have Mississippi State and Abilene Christian at home. They'll win those. Those There's seven wins. And then you're on the road at LSU. They're going to be 7-5. and five. Texas A&M is going to be a 7-5 and five football team. It's crazy they're paying them that much money. So would they fire him after this year? Maybe. I'm kind of surprised that Jim Harbaugh's not higher on the list, given all of the information that continues to come out of that situation it gets nastier and nastier up in ann arbor i think billy napier's safe at florida i think he's safe get to a bowl game possibly get seven wins i think he can hold on long enough and see another year sam Pittman, i think he may be safe since they fired the offensive coordinator but i'm not 100 percent sure how about butch jones being on there isn't that funny that's a name you haven't heard in a while huh Hour number one is in the books. We'll talk some Auburn football, and Daryl Daprich joins us coming up in hour number two. The following is an Auburn Network production. Live on ESPN 1067, Auburn Opelika's sports leader. Online at ESPNAU.com or on the ESPN 1067 app. To be on the line, call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. You are on the line with Jacob Goertz. You're on the line here on ESPN 106.7, Auburn Opelika Sports Leader. Happy Tuesday, everybody. Happy Halloween as well. Hope you're doing well as we get underway here in hour number two. This is the Tuesday edition of On the Line, the show that tells you like it is and holds nothing back. I'm Jacob Goins with you on ESPN 106.7. 
If you missed any of our number one, be sure to go and listen to the podcast anytime after the show today, this afternoon, tonight, tomorrow, whatever you want to do. You can find it at ESPNAU.com in our podcast center, or you can just search on the line wherever you get your podcast. Uh, talked about a uh, little Auburn football in our number one. Uh, talked about what the anniversary of today is, and if you missed that conversation in the first hour and you know what today is um we could talk about it we had a good conversation in that first hour also talked a little uh, college football playoff rankings since the first rankings of the year will be released tonight um and some really interesting storylines going into tonight's rankings and who could be in that top four i gave my top four and um there's one team that is currently in the top four that I don't think it think should be. They might be tonight, but I don't think they should be. So had that for you in the first hour. Also had uh, some Hugh Freeze audio from his press conference yesterday. So if you missed any of it, be sure to go and catch up with the podcast. Commercial free, posted after each and every show. And so you can find that later on today. But coming up here in hour number two, we're going to talk some Auburn football. Still reacting to... Auburn defeating Mississippi State on Saturday. Talk about some of the comments from Hugh Freeze as well. And later on, Daryl Daprich will join us on the phone lines, and he will have some thoughts about all of this as well. Until then, uh, give me a call on the phone lines. What's on your mind? How do you want to? Uh, what do you want to talk about on a Tuesday afternoon? We can talk Auburn football. We can talk college football in general. Uh, your playoff predictions for tonight the ranking predictions I should say uh, as we are entering the month of November tomorrow um, basketball with Auburn basketball playing an exhibition tomorrow and starting a week from today against Baylor whatever you want to talk about give me a call 334-321-1390 and coming out of Auburn defeating Mississippi State on Saturday. In the last four weeks, I've had to sit here and say, now that you've had a couple of days to soak it all in and take it all in, are you feeling better about the Auburn loss? But here on this Tuesday, we get to say, after a couple of days of soaking it all in, how do you feel about the win? Are you still feeling pretty good, the fact that Auburn got their first SEC win? Um, I know there's been some controversy with what Auburn did offensively compared in the first and second half on Saturday. Um, and Hugh Freeze, I think, gave a really good response to when I brought that up to him yesterday. And so um, where do you stand on this as, as Vanderbilt comes up this weekend? And I don't want to get too far ahead of ourselves, but um, it, it just seems like overall – from Auburn fans who have called into the show and that I've seen on Twitter and that I've talked to in you know outside of here like it just seems like everybody is is content is that a fair word to use that everybody is sort of just content with you get a win you're back in the win column you have a chance to uh, get a couple of wins coming up this week in the next couple of weeks with Vanderbilt on the road at Arkansas and New Mexico State, you have a chance to get some wins and really turn this season around. And look, I think Auburn's going to be favored in all three of these games. They should be. The only one that they wouldn't be favored in for whatever reason 
would be on the road at Arkansas, but I don't see that being the case. I think Auburn will be favored in these next three games. I think Auburn should win these next three games. And if you play like you did Saturday against Mississippi State, I think Auburn will win these next three games. And the problem is, Hugh Freeze was very honest yesterday when he talked about Vanderbilt and said, look, this game worries me. Okay, this game scares me a little bit. And there's some decent reasons why. Take Auburn's overall record against Vanderbilt. It's tied. Isn't that crazy? The record between Auburn and Vanderbilt when they play one another is dead even down the middle. There's reason one to be worried. I think reason two is head coach Clark Lee, who I think is a really, really good football coach, who I think gets a lot of crap for no reason for trying to talk highly about his Vanderbilt football program, who I know they're not that good and they're not anywhere near what I thought they were going to be this season. But he's a head coach who wants the best for his program and believes that Vanderbilt can actually be good. And why would you not believe that if you're a head coach somewhere? Why would you not want to speak that way to your fans, to your donors, and most importantly, to your team? He gets a lot of hate for that, which I think is ridiculous. And you've seen good teams go up to Vanderbilt, to Nashville, and really underperform and struggle and have to scratch their way out of a win. And Hugh Freeze said that yesterday, that he took a really good Ole Miss team up there and had to do that. So if Auburn doesn't play well, if Auburn doesn't build off of the Mississippi State game and they go back to what they were doing, or if you overlook Vanderbilt on Saturday, Auburn as a football program right now, you're not to the level of Alabama, Georgia, or even an LSU who, let's be honest, can sort of take a day off right now when they play Vanderbilt and not have to worry. But you saw what happened with Georgia. Do you remember what happened there just a couple of weeks ago? Do you remember when Georgia had to play Vanderbilt? Where we're still waiting on this Georgia team to kind of separate themselves, right, and really show who they are and what they've got and and what they are made of, if you will. And we're going to find that out with their schedule coming up. But you remember what happened when Georgia went to Nashville just two weeks ago. They won that game 37-20, to but Vanderbilt made it interesting. They were tied at seven after the first quarter. Georgia outscored them 17-0 in the second quarter, but Vanderbilt scored some points in that fourth quarter and made it interesting. And that 37-20 to doesn't, doesn't tell the whole story. But where I was going with this was Auburn is not to the level of those programs right now where you and a coach would never admit this and a player would never admit this. But you can't take a day off in the next couple of weeks. Not with Vanderbilt, especially not with Arkansas, who, yes, they're reeling, and yes, they are a, I hate to say it, they're a bad team, man. And I hate to say that because they've got some serious talent, but gosh, they can't get a win. They can't put it together, man. They can't do it. You've got K.J. Jefferson, who is a good quarterback. I don't think he's great, 
And I tried to tell people that at the beginning of the year, and I got, fr- I just got blasted for it for no reason. But Arkansas has a really good chance to be on a seven-game losing streak when Auburn comes to town. They're playing at Florida this weekend. And then Auburn comes. They'll get a win against FIU. And then they have to play Missouri. I mean, Arkansas has a chance to lose every SEC game plus their non-conference game against BYU. They're going to be a three-win team this year. Is that enough to get Sam Pittman fired? I know we talked about it at the end of the first hour. But even so, Auburn cannot afford to not make progress. That's what these next few games are for before you play Alabama in the Iron Bowl. You were just trying to survive in that big, deep four-game stretch against A&M, Georgia, LSU, and Ole Miss. You were just trying to survive. Now is the time that Auburn can implement some things and get better as a football team, get better as a football program. And this is where the coaches can really start to coach. And Hugh Freeze said this a little bit yesterday He said, you could coach them a little bit harder after a win. And he says this multiple times throughout the year already. You can coach a little bit harder after a win because you're like, look, here's what we did wrong, but we still won. We won the game, but look, guys, we can be better. And that's what wins are used for when a program is in this particular situation and at this particular state. Right, Georgia Georgia doesn't beat Vanderbilt and say, well, man, we beat them, but we could be better. They know that. Right? They know that. Michigan doesn't beat Rutgers by 50 and say, well, if we didn't, if we didn't fumble that ball one time, man, we could have beaten them by 57. No, they don't do that. They did that on the way to get where they are, but they don't do that right now. They do that in close big games. If they beat Ohio State by three, they say, yeah, if we pick up that third down or if we do this or make this read or do that, look how much better we can be. But for a program like Auburn, where they are with Hugh Freeze and this staff and these players, wins like Mississippi State and hopefully the eventual wins like Vanderbilt and Arkansas and New Mexico State, you build off of those and you make progress, and you avoid the same mistakes that you've been making all season long. And I think Auburn can do that. Offensively, defensively, special teams, all of that. Because Auburn has not been playing perfect. And I know we talk a lot about how the defense has been playing really well, but it's not perfect. Some big plays they gave up on Saturday, some chunk plays, right? Still not getting as much pressure on the quarterback as I would like to see. I know Marcus Harris is playing out of his mind on the defensive side. But Auburn, defensively, still not getting enough pressure, I think, on the quarterbacks. And then, of course, offensively, there was a lot of progress made this past Saturday against Mississippi State. But it's still not perfect by any means. I think Auburn could run the football even more. I think Auburn could throw the ball even more. And I think you could have 
more passing attempts, and more completions from Peyton Thorne, who went 20 of 26. That's really impressive. I think you could have more points. I think you could have more passing touchdowns. I think there's a lot more that can be done here. But that's what these next couple of games are for. And when you win these games, the ones that you're supposed to, that's how you can do that. You can build and get better and you can teach and you can coach and you can do that a little bit harder because, again, you harp on him. You're like, look, let's, for example, hey, Peyton, if you make this read instead of this read, that's a first down or that's a touchdown or whatever the case may be. But it's okay because, look, we still won the game. So next time, let's do it this way. Think about it next time when you're in that situation. And it may be even better. Maybe it's in the Iron Bowl, right? Versus when you get beat by 20 against LSU, it's really easy. Or get beat by anybody. Right? When you go in the locker room and you're like, well, if we would have done this, we would have been in it. Well, if this person would have done that, we would have been in the game. Well, if he didn't drop this football, we would have, the drive could have kept going. The game could have been different. Well, if this guy would have made the read. You know what I'm saying? Like, in losses like that, it's so easy to play the blame game. It's so easy to play the blame game. And especially when Auburn was in that four-game losing streak, man, it's really easy to start pointing fingers. And it's hard to coach a team that's losing. Because they're already beating themselves up and they're already down because they're losing football games. But when you win, you can coach and you can train and you can get better. You can make the current guys better. You can make your program better. And then you can give yourself a chance to beat Alabama at the end of the year. Which could be an eight-win season in year one under Hugh Freeze. And I think everybody listening right now if I would have asked you, which we talked about this, but at the beginning of the season, if I would have asked you and said, at the end of year one, if Hugh Freeze goes eight wins, eight and four with a win over Alabama, I don't think there's a soul that wears orange and blue on Saturdays that would have said, no, I don't want that. I think everybody would have taken that. And if Auburn continues to do what they're doing, they have a chance to do that. 334-321-1390. That's the number to get you through to me. We're going to get to the phone lines when we come back. Would love to hear from you here on the Tuesday edition of On the Line on ESPN 106.7. You are on the line on ESPN 106.7. Online at ESPNAU.com or on the ESPN 106.7 app. Let's get to the phone lines here on the Tuesday edition of On the Line, 334-321-1390. Spectre, you're on the line. Happy Tuesday. Happy Tuesday to you. Hey, you know, I've been rough on Peyton all year long, and uh, I'm going to admit he he did a good job in the Mississippi State game, but I'm not going to give him all the credit because we expected him to do this coming into here. Right. And and, – the offensive line, just like Coach said earlier, they did a they did a fantastic job. Yeah, and and when they do a fantastic job, the quarterback and running backs do well. Receivers also do well. That's a crazy concept, so, isn't it? 
Yeah, I mean that's the name of the game, buddy. I mean, if you got if you got the protection, you can just you can run, you can pass, and you can do your routes. But uh, you know, without all that being said, I still would like to see that offensive line way it played against Mississippi State. Uh, give Robbie a chance to see what he can do with an offensive line like that. I mean, he struggled just like Peyton did, and when the line wasn't doing their job. And everybody blames it on the quarterback. Everybody blames it on the running back. But it, it comes down to the offensive line. So what I'm saying is, you know, in these last couple of games, especially maybe the New Mexico State game, give Robbie the opportunity to see what he can come up with. I mean, I mean, it's not going to be much of a challenge in New Mexico State. But right. I like to I like to see him in against Arkansas. Really, to tell you the truth. Yeah, and, and you know, I think it. I think it comes down to 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 what defenses you're playing too, and if it's a defense yeah. that you know gets pressure on the quarterback and doesn't give you a lot of time to set back and throw, and and we know that Auburn offensively implemented what seemed to be sort of a new game plan of you've got one read, dump it off, and get out, right, with Peyton Thorne. But I think it depends on the defense you're playing, too, where maybe Robbie's legs give you that better advantage, and maybe that's something yeah. you see maybe in the Iron Bowl or something. You know uh, you know how bad our offense was last year. I'm talking about the offensive line, the O-line. Mm-hmm. You know, and we struggled until until Cadillac took over, and, and it's, it's a, it becomes a head game. These guys got up for Cadillac when, yeah. when they couldn't get up when they couldn't get up for Harson, and you see what what Robbie did and what the backs did, and you know we won a couple games there mm-hmm. that we shouldn't have won. So you know that's that's what I'm all that's what I'm talking about. Let's let's give the players. You know if you want Robbie to come back, you got to see this year what he can do. You just can't go through the entire year with him coming in one or two plays and then expecting him to to hang around. You know, it's just you want to see what he can do to help your team. Yeah, and that's the you know that's the challenge with uh, with the transfer portal nowadays is with pretty much every player on your roster. You know, you have to. As crazy as it sounds, Specter, the coaches have to make a decision at some point in the season. It's like, okay, are we going to cater to this guy to make sure he hangs around, or you know, do we? toss out the game yeah. plan and just say, look, he's not a part of it, and, and we're just going to hope he hangs around. And that I'm not saying that's where they are with Robbie or anybody else, but that's just the challenges these coaches have to deal with, man, which makes their job that much harder. Yeah. You know, you heard all year long how Coach was talking about about uh, Robbie and how good of an athlete he is and mm-hmm. got plays for him. I mean, he was really up on, on Robbie. But, again, he's not giving him the opportunity to play a game. Yeah, you know, you throw him, throwing him in there a couple of plays such as that, and you know. But anyway, let me talk about something else. Yeah, uh, you know, um, I believe we have a, a a better chance of winning ball games these next four games. We we have a better chance of winning them if we play like we're on we're in the red zone. And you saw what we did at Mississippi with Mississippi State, and those short passes and those those runs and stuff. You know when. Of course, Hunter broke out for a couple of long runs, mm-hmm. but we played like we we're in the red zone, and and we just marched right on down the field. I think play with some urgency. I think that's what you're yeah. maybe alluding to, right? Yeah, play with some urgency and play with exactly a little right. a little tempo, if you will, and and yeah, I mean, act like act like you've got to pick up the next ten or fifteen, twenty yards, or 
you know, life depends on or however you want to say you got to score right here type of thing. Yeah, I think the word you're looking for is urgency, and I think it worked against Mississippi State, and I think it can work for the next few games. Absolutely right. All right, buddy. I'll talk to you later. Appreciate the call, Spectre. Great to hear from you. 334-321-1390. Got somebody else calling in. You're on the line. Who am I speaking with? Hey, it's Mark. How hey, you doing? I'm good, Mark. How are you, brother? I'm doing great. Hey, uh, earlier this year, I sort of agreed with what Spectre said, just said. But, uh, you know, we have plenty of information on Robbie. I mean, he was the man for how many games last year? And I know the, you know, the offensive line is supposedly a little bit better this year than it was last year. But I haven't seen anything from Robbie that makes us, makes me think that he can control this offense. Uh, watch the safeties. When, they're, when he's in the game, the other team's safeties are cheating up five yards. And he made that long pass against uh, – who was it, Ole Miss, or it may have been against LSU where he hit, I believe it was Frazier, mm-hmm. for about 30 yards. But I think there's plenty – I think that ship has sailed with Robbie Ashford. And to, what you, to your point, I don't think you cater to somebody just so they will come back. He's recruiting four- and five-star quarterbacks for a reason. And uh, I just don't see Robbie as being – you know, I wish he would be. Because, I, like I said earlier this year, I was wanting him to be the quarterback. But we have to have some semblance of a passing game. And what did he hit last year, 50% of his passes or maybe even below? Yeah. And that's the that's so, the problem, Mark, is, you know, and to, to last year, I know you and Inspector both brought up last year's offensive line. I think that was an offensive line that was better at – at run blocking and creating holes. And that's why Cadillac, when he took over, obviously with his running background, he said, man, we're going to hammer the football. We're going to keep it on the ground. And you saw Auburn did that and they won some ball games. And I think with this year's offensive line, they are improved in pass pro and that's what you saw on Saturday it's not perfect by any means but they implemented that short passing game and it really really worked and with the success of Peyton Thorne finally in a power five game I just don't know where they're going to put in Robbie Ashford for for multiple multiple drives exactly I agree 100% with that and I don't think that we won any games last year that we shouldn't have won because I'm not going to count Western Kentucky and Texas A&M of last year as games that we shouldn't have won. But, uh, you know, with Robbie, uh, I mean, with uh, Peyton, at least we have some semblance of a passing game, whereas I don't think we have that with Robbie. And I'm not putting him down because I wish him nothing but the best. Right. You know, like I said, we are recruiting four- and five-star quarterbacks for a reason. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and again, it comes down to you know trying to keep guys around, but also have to try and win football games, and that's a really tough battle to have right now. Exactly, and that's why he gets paid millions of dollars to do it. They're right earning it right now, Mark. You better believe it. All right, buddy. Thank you. Yep, appreciate the call, Mark. Three three four three two one thirteen ninety. It really is, man. It is. It is a difficult job that coaches are are having to deal with in college football. And I know they make a lot of money. Believe me, they make a lot of money. But they're earning it right now. And here's the thing. If Peyton Thorne keeps playing like he's playing, Auburn's more concerned with keeping him around 
than they are keeping Robbie Ashford around. As as harsh as that may sound, if Peyton Thorne starts playing up to what we thought he was going to be, I think Auburn's more concerned with that to end this year rather than hopefully play Robbie Ashford enough and keep him around another year. Daryl Dapperts, Double D, joins us when we come back. We'll talk to him about these topics in Auburn and Mississippi State. He always has some fun perspectives. We'll talk with him when we come back. You are on the line with Jacob Goertz on ESPN 1067, Auburn Opelika's sports leader. We've got 30 more minutes here on the Tuesday edition of On the Line on ESPN 106.7. I'm Jacob Goins with you here on the Auburn Opelika Sports Leader and our weekly Tuesday guest. It's Double D, Daryl Dapperts, joining us on the phone lines. Daryl, great to hear from you, brother. I know you are uh, on the road home. It's Halloween. You'll be spending it with your family tonight, and so uh, sounds like you're going to have a good one ahead. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. I have a granddaughter that's almost two years old, and this will be her first time really going trick-or-treating. So um, I'm going to go ahead, and I'm going to dress up as you freeze and rip you for asking me a question. So how about let's go. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love it. Well, that takes I away the – I recognize that voice right away, man. You got... I was like, I don't know who asked that question. It was a good question, by the way. I'm, I'm just going to yeah. say there's nothing wrong with asking that question because a lot of people – a lot of people were wondering the same thing. And the greatest thing about a question like that is when you get an explanation or an answer, that's why you ask the question. Yeah. To be to, to find out the answer, to be educated on the reason why. And so, you know, that that's exactly the point of asking. It was a good question and I thought it was a good answer. I think so. it was a great answer. I really, really do. The amount of people that have sent me that in the past twenty four hours um, is is kind of crazy. And and look, and I talked about it yesterday. I played it on the show yesterday. There is no, absolutely no hard feelings between me and Coach Freeze. We talked about it afterwards. We're good. And, and look, and I, that's exactly what I told him, Daryl. I said, look, I got to ask it, and you got to answer it. And that's just how the, that's how this business goes, man. And I thought well, he gave that's a perfect how you get answer. People enlightened. That's how you get people enlightened and understand why somebody if he if. If a coach is willing to be transparent in his answer and a reporter is willing to ask the question that a lot of people might want to know, then you get enlightened and you get educated on what it was because a lot of people were wondering. And I, and I know myself, I, I, I walked, I talked to Ben about it Monday morning on his show, and I said, my, my suspicion is they went in at halftime up three scores and felt like Mississippi State with that quarterback was not going to be offensively able to come back and beat Auburn, so just go conservative and win the game. I mean, it's just that simple. Just make – you know, don't do anything stupid. With that quarterback and with that offense, they ain't going to beat you. They ain't going to come back from three scores. Now, the wild card was where Auburn started on a lot of those drives and mm-hmm. also dictated that. So I get all that. Good answer. Good question. It needed to be asked. Well, I appreciate you uh, bringing that up, and it, it it was one of the many things that Hugh Free said yesterday in his weekly press conference coming out of the win for Auburn over Mississippi State, their first win in SEC play, uh, their first win in their last five games. Hopefully it's a turning point for this Auburn team, uh, but Darrell, what did you see overall in this football game where Auburn does defeat Mississippi State 27-13? Well, I'll tell you, the the first half was as good of an offensive execution from a game plan and 
doing what the coaches put you in position to do that I've seen eerily the first half against Mississippi State two years ago. It, it really looked similar in, as far as you know, doing what you wanted to do on offense, executing uh, a, a really crisp passing game, route running. It, all that looks so much like what happened two years ago. Um, so the first half was as good. As, I mean, and I think going in and scoring a touchdown before the end of the first half, instead of having to settle for a field goal, to me is what clinched the game. I know Mississippi State got it to within two scores and really played a lot better in the second half. But I really feel like that touchdown to Cobb on a beautiful throw <clears throat> by Thorne over the shoulder was the was the nail in the coffin, and it ended up being huge. So, you know. Was I happy with the fact that Auburn looked the way they did the second half, that I feel like they went away from some things and said, why are you going away from things that were working in the first half? Well, now I know the answer why. Uh, you know, and, and, But I was frustrated. I was frustrated again with here, – here's the thing that I saw. the first, As good as the first half was, and how they flawlessly executed. It's always great to find things to clean up when you win. Yep. And Auburn's defense has got to find a way to get off the field on third and 20, third and 22. They did it against Ole Miss where they gave them a first down, which led to a touchdown. And Auburn had every opportunity at the start of the second half when Mississippi State got the ball first and Auburn got off the field on third and 22 and was going to make Mississippi State punt from their own end zone. And the Marcus Harris hold, which gave Mississippi State new life, ended up getting a field goal. Those are the kind of things when you got your foot on somebody's throat and you are up three scores and you're going to get the ball at midfield with a chance to go up four scores, you got to do it. You, against an Arkansas, an opportunity like that, you take it and you don't allow them to get back in the game. If that happens with Vanderbilt Saturday, you take it. So that was the only thing from a defensive standpoint. they got to clean that up. They're giving up way too many, giving off the field on third down. I'm not talking third and six. I'm talking third and 18, third and 22. Can't have it. Peyton Thorne, 20 of 26 on the afternoon, 230 yards and three touchdowns. By far, Daryl, the best game we've seen him play in an Auburn uniform, especially in Power 5 competition. And it seemed like something I've talked about the last two days. It was one read, one option, dump down or get out. And Peyton Thorne did it. The offensive line gave him the protection. Helps when Jarquez Hunter is doing Jarquez Hunter things. And Peyton Thorne played like QB1 on Saturday. He did. It wasn't just the stats, which were impressive enough as it is when you look at the PFF grade and all that. It's the eyeball test. It's the way the ball came out of his hand, the touch passes to Johnson and Cobb that were perfect throws, the slants. Oh, my God, I was so excited. I, I thought I was going to dance a jig in my living room when they threw <laughs> two slants and a screen pass on the same offensive series. I, I kept checking my TV to see if that was Auburn. But those were the kind of things that he looked really good. Ball came out. He didn't hold on to the ball too long. Uh, he had some hot routes that he hit. I love the rollout bootleg throw to Jarquez Hunter and throw to Rivaldo Fairweather on the backside screen where they drag. Well, Fairweather drags. Jarquez Hunter was a screen out of the backfield. I love those kind of plays. It's, it, it's easy money. You know, you're going to get eight, ten yards. Now, Jarquez made a phenomenal play by leaping that guy and turning it into about 22. Those are the kind of things that get you in front of the sticks. Auburn was very successful on first down, which was nice. And Thorne was the one that made all that happen with the right reason. Even when he need, knew that he needed to run, 
he ran effectively too and took off on some, you know, when, when things broke down. So all in all, you know, and he was even, I think, five or six in the second half. So, you know, great performance by him. There was some separation there. Let's hope it carries over to the road in Nashville Saturday. Daryl Dappert's joining us here on the Tuesday edition of On the Line. He is a weekly guest on the Locked on Auburn podcast with Zach Blackerby and, of course, a Montgomery radio legend. Moving forward in this SEC schedule, we understand that it gets easier for Auburn, and it got easier coming out of that four-game stretch and started with Mississippi State, Vanderbilt this Saturday, Arkansas next Saturday, and then New Mexico State before Alabama. In a stretch like this, Daryl, how can Auburn benefit from maybe weaker opponents? How can this team get better for the rest of this year and for the future of Auburn football? Well, I think that this, this season was always going to be segmented into three different spots. You had the first three that everyone expected Auburn to come out of there 3-0, and and I think the Cal game was a little bit tougher than they thought. Then there was the middle four, and nobody, including Vegas and the oddsmakers, thought Auburn was going to win any of those games, and they didn't. They went to chalk. And now you've got the last five, and I think Auburn's pretty much going to be favored in four of the five. So if you look at this season as increments, and say, okay, what what do we get better at? What what can we, you know, now that our opponent from a talent standpoint we're we're superior, what can we run? Can we just ground it out? Does the passing game look better because of the secondaries we're gonna face? All those things will come to fruition in the next three or four weeks. So what I think can happen is you can gain a ton of momentum for the program if you go into the Iron Bowl seven and four. And it's feasible. You can do that. You play the type of football you're capable of playing. You don't make mistakes. You have better rosters than the next three opponents that you have. Go seven and four and then get into the Iron Bowl where anything, anything could happen at Jordan Hare, even though Alabama's playing better. So that's where, you know, get yourself to a, a decent bowl game at seven and seven and five. If you go eight and four and beat Alabama, you're gonna go to a a New Year's Day Bowl, in my opinion. If you win out and beat Alabama, you will end up going to a New Year's Day Bowl. But even if you don't, even if you go to another bowl that's like the Mayo Bowl or the Gasparilla Bowl or something else, Music City, you try to win that game. Everything you have, you have the practices, the month practices for bowl practices. If you are able to finish this year 8-5, and five, including a bowl victory, it's going to do wonders for your program in recruiting, transfer portal, all that, which is fixing to get fun because all this stuff opens up December 5th. Early signing day and transfer portal opens, you know, very close to each other. Mm -hmm. And it's going to be crazy over the next six weeks. Well, you brought it up. The you know, if you get to a bowl game, I think what's even more important. You mentioned it; those practices that you get, the two weeks or, or you know, give or take that they get leading up to that bowl game. Those are just extra reps, extra practice for the next season for the guys that are going to be on this team, and so that is really, really important. And Auburn is in a good spot to uh, to make a bowl game and possibly a pretty good bowl game if they can end the season on a high note. Including in that is the Vanderbilt game this weekend. Auburn on the road in Nashville. You will be on the road in Nashville covering the game in person. Um, the the real question here is, Daryl, which uh, karaoke bar in downtown Nashville are you going to hit up? 
I don't know if they have a Sinatra one. That's more my style of music for karaoke. A little Buble, a little Sinatra, a little Dean Martin. So if they have that, I'm all over it. Go a little Rat Pack. There you go. Um, so, yeah, that and, you know, won't have any partners in crime with me up there in the press box. Won't have the snacks available. But it'll be it'll be great to cover. Never been to, to Nashville to cover a game. I know there's all that nightmare of the stadium construction in the press box. But, you know, it's... it's what I'm hearing is 23,000 is going to be there for the game because of the construction. Auburn has played, other than a non-COVID year, against TCU in 1980 with, in front of 22,000. You would think that out of those 23,000, Jacob, there could be four or 5,000 Auburn fans. Especially so, being in Nashville where there's a huge group of Auburn fans. Yeah. So, you know, that's not going to look like anything as far as the intimidating – road game. I don't think Auburn will see one of those again until they go to Fayetteville, but that may be a problem because if they get beat by Florida this week, Arkansas, there's rumors around Pittman's job. There'll be people that are complacent that won't show up. You know, it'll be a predicted, it'll, they'll have clinched a losing season. Auburn is sailing under a lucky star right now with how some things are falling into place over the next three weeks. And you just take that energy and look, we talked about the bowl thing. Another interesting caveat is you may be practicing kids not only to get them experience but out of necessity. Think about when the transfer portal opens up the first week of December. Yeah. If you get eight or ten dudes that jump into the portal, they ain't playing in your bowl game. And for depth, that could be an issue. Crazy world we live in now, isn't it, Daryl, with I football know. and athletics in general? It is. It's crazy to think that people would purposely sit out of a bowl game and go, no. I'm not playing in a bowl game because I'm entering the portal. So I don't know. It, that's that's the you know that's the world we live in. Now the flip side of that is I thought NIL would encourage people to play in bowl games instead of opting out because they're going to get paid. But you know who knows? It's just crazy. It's absolutely crazy, and the dynamics of all that are going to be very interesting over the next six weeks. Auburn on the road at Vanderbilt this weekend in football, but tomorrow Auburn basketball gets their first exhibition underway, and a week from today, Daryl, you and I will get to talk about the starting game, the opening game of the Auburn basketball season when they take on the Baylor Bears out in South Dakota. Man, I'm excited for this basketball team. Uh, There is some really, really good talent for Bruce Pearl and the Tigers this season. Yeah, they beat Furman 110 to 77 in a close scrimmage. Won't let us see the box score tomorrow night. Zach and I are going to the Auburn AUM basketball game. We're going to cover that in person, kind of just as a sneak peek to see some of the players, some of the new faces, see what they look like, and then we'll do a show, a locked on Auburn tomorrow after the basketball game, uh, just to kind of kick off the season. So it should be a lot of fun. And then, as you mentioned, next week Baylor big story will Aiden Holloway be able to go he's been seen in a walking boots got an ankle injury Auburn's being really precautious with it you know with him but we'll see I mean you know Trey Donaldson will have to step up and uh we'll see what he looks like tomorrow night but that's a lot of fun basketball uh over the next week that's going to be going on with Auburn Daryl Dapperts joins me every Tuesday here during On the Line on ESPN 106.7. Daryl, I appreciate you, man. It's always a blast talking to you. Make the Tuesday shows complete here between 2 and 4 p.m. each and every day. Let everybody know where they can keep up with you, all the places that you're making appearances, and what you got coming up. I know you're covering, again, the Auburn-Vanderbilt game on Saturday. 
Yeah, Locked On Auburn appearance, normal appearances on a Friday. We do post-game football and post-game basketball. So people are going to get really sick of me here get, starting next week. And then I'm on Monday mornings with Ben Taylor on WANI and then with you on Tuesday afternoon. So a lot of fun, interesting uh, appearances as we get this thing kicked off over the next week. Well, it's crossover season, which means it's busy all around, man. And I know you are yep. busy with everything going on. So I appreciate you, man. And uh, have a great time with Halloween tonight with your granddaughter, man. Enjoy that. Thanks, brother. You take care. Have a good week. Yes, sir. That's Daryl Dapper. It's Double D who joins us every Tuesday here on the show. We'll take our final break, come back, and wrap it up here on the Tuesday edition of On the Line. Still time to join in. 334-321-1390. On the line on ESPN 1067. Call in at 334 321 1390 or toll free at 888 382 7502. Winding down here on the Tuesday edition of On the Line. Big thanks to Daryl Dapperitz who joins me every Tuesday here on the show. You can find him on Fridays on Locked On Auburn, the podcast with Zach Blackerby. He is also on with Ben Taylor on Monday mornings over on News Talk WANI on 98.7. And he joins me every Tuesday at 3.30. So I uh, love Daryl. He's a great friend of mine. And he will be in Nashville this weekend covering the Auburn-Vanderbilt game. So that will be a lot of fun. And uh, talking basketball with him is also fun as well with Auburn taking on AUM tomorrow uh, in their first exhibition. And then this time next week, Auburn will be playing against Baylor out in South Dakota. So thanks to Daryl for joining us as he does every Tuesday. Been a great show today. It's really flown by. Uh, we've talked a lot of Auburn and Mississippi State and how uh, this team and this program can continue to get better over the next couple of weeks with some easier games on the schedule and we started the show today talking about the one-year anniversary of what today is when Brian Harson was let go as Auburn's head football coach on Halloween a year ago today and Cadillac was promoted to associate head coach and John Cohen was hired as Auburn's athletic director and I talked a lot about what has happened in the last 365 days with Auburn football there's been a lot that's happened and it's been good. I mean, the, the changes and the momentum and the positivity that has taken over this program in the last year is really, really remarkable. So talked a lot about that. Had Hugh Freeze's press conference on the show today from yesterday and, and just a lot of great content. So if you missed any of it, be sure to go and catch up with the podcast commercial free after the show today at ESPNAU.com or just search on the line wherever you get your podcast. Also talked about the college football playoff rankings. The first one of the year will be released tonight. And just a reminder, just in case you've forgotten about what the very first college football playoff rankings looked like on October 28th, 2014. Do you remember who the top four was? Number one, Mississippi State, taking on number four, Ole Miss. Right, This was the first rankings. This was not obviously the first playoff. This was the first playoff rankings in 2014. Mississippi State at the one seed, paired up with number four, Ole Miss. And on the other side, it was number two, Florida State, taking on number three, Auburn. Isn't that crazy? Do you remember that? I remember watching that on the TV that was nine years ago. Wow, okay. Nine years ago, Mississippi State 
Florida State, Auburn, and Ole Miss were the four original teams in the very first ever college football playoff rankings. Um, One of those three may be in the first rankings tonight. I don't think Florida State should be. I think they probably will be, but I don't think they should be. Quickly, my top four would be Georgia, Ohio State, Michigan, and Washington, Oregon at five, and Florida State at six. That's how I would rank it. We'll see what they come up with tonight. We'll talk about it on the show tomorrow. Rivalry Wednesday with Jordan Hill of Dogs 247 and Austin Hannon of Bama Central. It'll be a stacked show tomorrow. You do not want to miss it. It'll be 2-4 to four right here on ESPN 1067. Happy Halloween. If you're going to be out tonight, be safe. Bundle up. Enjoy it with your kids, grandkids, or whatever you're going to do. Uh, enjoy your Halloween. And again, we'll be back tomorrow for the Wednesday edition of On the Line from 2-4 to four here on ESPN 1067. Until then, I'm Jacob Goins. Stay safe. I'll talk to you later.